This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. Hello, I'm Ron Reyes, an Associate Director at UC San Diego's Career Center and today's UC Career Talks host. Our guest today is Dr. Kama Galuma, who serves as Associate Dean for Admissions and Student Affairs at UC San Diego School of Medicine. Dr. Galuma has been part of UC San Diego for over two decades and comes to us in his current role to talk about his passions as an educator and a physician. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Great. So uh, to get us started, I, I want to ask you, during your undergraduate career, did you always knew you were going to go into medicine or did you have other areas of interest or passions and then landed in medicine? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you, when I started my undergrad, I wanted to be an astronaut, <laughs> which is, uh, but I need to do reverse backwards in time. Um, I'm actually an immigrant. I grew up in Liberia, West Africa, and I came here to the United States by myself. No family or friends in the States when I was 17 was grateful to land in a small college in Ohio, and that's where I went to undergrad. My story in medicine really starts with my father. So as I said, I grew up in Liberia, West Africa. My father is Liberian. He was born uh, into poverty um, up in the northern highlands of the country. His uh, mother died in childbirth. Um, and of course, he was adopted by the village and raised by the village. But due to a combination of uh, just sheer hard work a little bit of luck and also mostly perseverance. He managed to make his way through the college system there, which is basically uh, one of two colleges, and managed to land a WHO, a World Health Organization scholarship to study medicine abroad. And so he studied medicine, eventually got some training in general surgery in the United Kingdom, but then came back to Liberia to serve his people. And so that's the milieu I grew up in. Um, in a lower resource environment like that, um, you don't really work as a doctor, you live as a doctor. And so I really got to see him work. I mean, patients would come to our house all the time. And through him, I saw, you know, compassion. I saw uh, a medical curiosity uh, about his patients. For example, one day thinking about, God, if I, I wonder if bananas will help itching, just sort of that. I saw devotion, I saw dedication. I saw the kind of grief you can only get from being a physician when you lose a patient, and he'd tell me about these things, and I could see it, how it affected him. I also saw the joy in medicine, and most importantly, I saw uh, someone who had profound meaning in their work. And so that stayed with me for my entire life. I grew up in that environment. As I said, when I went to college, <laughs> I didn't have quite the best guidance counseling. There was basically none. Started off, uh, I was a young kid, as you can imagine. But eventually, as often happens with people going to school and think about their lives, you, you look for something that's meaningful and I uh, gravitate right towards medicine. And so that's sort of how I got onto medicine. Mm -hmm. And would you say there was any particular experiences during your undergrad that really helped reinforce? Because the, the medical school application process is very stressful uh, and it's not an easy process. So was there any um, additional things that you noticed or that helped you you know, take that extra leap to, you know, commit further and, and go through that process? Not so much an undergrad, and that's why, you know, one of my roles right now is a dean of admissions, um, and, you know, some students, applicants come in with a whole lot of guidance. Uh, they have great pre-health uh, guidance systems and advisory organizations. They have great mentors. Um, 
actually was the opposite. Um, and so I can really empathize with students who come in uh, <laughs> not having really any guidance or any way to align themselves to medicine. I think I was fortunate to already have a life in medicine beforehand. Um, uh, and so I knew I, I could dive in. I sort of knew what the end game would be like, the actual life as a doctor would be. Um, and so for me, it was really navigating the application process, trying to learn you know, uh, what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Um, and that, you know, uh, we were talking about before we started how um, you had Encyclopedia Britannica, right? And uh, there was no internet uh, back then, so I'd go in the library and, and read up on things and learn from there. I also found, uh, which is profoundly helpful, peer mentorship. People don't talk about that enough. And so I luckily made friends with people who are also applying in medicine who maybe had mentorship from elsewhere. And so I think the value of a peer mentorship connection was helpful where you have friends who are aligned in the same way telling you, hey, you might want to think about this. Oh, great, I'll look into that. And, and so that's how I evolved in terms of my application to medicine. I get a lot of questions from students all the time about specialization. You specialized in emergency medicine. Was that something that came to you or more of you found it along the way? Um, a lot of students like to ask me that and like, hold on, <laughs> get into medical school first. Uh, but for you, what was that like and how did you get to that point? Oh, yes. No, I remember it very well. Uh, and you're, you're right. When I was a college student, I didn't know about emergency medicine. Um, and even when I was a medical student, um, I didn't know much about it. And my exposure to medicine really came my fourth year. You know, I was, uh, and uh, so I do an elective. It wasn't part of a core rotation. And uh, it was in New York City. I was in med school. And I went and did a rotation in emergency medicine. And what I found there sort of resonated with the kind of medicine I was used to growing up. So, you know, I know here in our industrialized nations and, and we think about preventative care and, and panels of patients, um, but a lot of uh, medicine in uh, low resource environments that, that my father uh, practiced in that I grew up in is reactive medicine. Uh, and a lot of traditional healing, especially in Liberia, in a place like Liberia, uh, a traditional, uh, uh, sorry, a Western medicine practitioner will work in juxtaposition with traditional healing. So what I saw a lot of is people who tried traditional healing methods at first, it just wouldn't work, um, and then would show up my father sort of an extremist. You know, they're in pain or there's a swelling the size of a grapefruit uh, attached to their leg or whatever it is that traditional healing did not work on, and he'd have to work reactively. Um, and also, uh, there's no specialization. In, in third world countries, uh, under, uh, low resource countries, middle income countries, there's no, there's not much specialization that goes on. So everybody's a generalist. So you take what comes your way, you react, you do what you can do with the resources you have. So I found when I rotated in emergency medicine, that was sort of the same thing. Uh, that sort of being ready for anything, using the whole breadth of knowledge you have. Um, and so it really resonated with me. Uh, there are a whole variety of reasons I love emergency medicine, but that was what clicked me. Oh, this is how I like to practice. This is how I like to help human beings. And the rest is history. Excellent. I actually had uh, talked to a recent UC resident uh, physician. So he's in his first year in emergency medicine. Hey. And uh, I was talking to him about it. And uh, the one thing he kept telling me was that it's very fast paced and it is a long ride that he, he feels that he's in for. Uh, when, it, when you're in that kind of high intense environment, um, you know, I, I always am interested in, you know, how do you prioritize uh, and also, you know, 
what kind of mindset do you feel a lot of people who are successful in that kind of practice kind of practice for themselves since it is very demanding? Well, I think it starts with, you know, just to follow up on your question on why I chose emergency medicine, um, uh, emergency medicine is fast-paced. It also is a, uh, especially where you do a lot of uh, diagnostic mystery, you're, you're solving mysteries. Uh, that's what I love about it. Um, what I mean by that is um, something can show up with chest pain, and you're never quite sure what that chest pain is. Is it a heart attack? Is it reflux? Is it, you just never know. I've seen people with belly pain and it's diabetic ketoacidosis. It's physiological, there's not appendicitis, it's physiological. So you just never know. I love that um, kind of problem solving mystery, trying to figure out what's going wrong with the patient. So patients are what we call undifferentiated. So if you like kind of undifferentiated problem solving, solving medical mysteries, emergency medicines for you. Because uh, the rest of the field, because our medicine is so well developed, it's very hyper-specialized. So, um, you know, if, I, if that shortness of breath I'm seeing ends up being heart failure, it gets admitted to cardiologists and they know exactly what they're treating. If it's a pneumonia, I'm admitting it to an internal medicine specialist and they know exactly what they're treating it. If it's anemia, it's something else. If it's a blood clot, it's something else. Um, but in emergency medicine, you get the problem solved. You also get to uh, not only save lives, and that's what I really like about it, um, uh, but you get to relieve pain. Um, nothing, nothing's more satisfying, because people are gonna be in pain no matter what, it's just inevitable. Whether you fall and dislocate your shoulder or there's something else, someone has to be there to address that. And I love being the one taking care of human beings, uh, helping their pain almost immediately, seeing the relief on their face, alleviating human suffering. So not, it's not only saving lives, it's uh, alleviating suffering that's very uh, uh, alluring to me. Excellent. And yes, it is fast-paced. Someone who can, well, I'll put it to you this way, and I go back to my father and his relationship. Um, my father didn't actually have a relationship with individual patients, much like you, you think in a traditional setting. He had a relationship with a community, meaning they knew exactly where the, our house was. They knew they, if they were in trouble, they'd go there. And so sometimes he'd interact with people and it'll be the only time he interacted with them, but he's helping, uh, helping them with their lives. And emergency physicians really form a relationship with their community. Everybody knows where the emergency department is. They know they can go there when they're in trouble. And uh, so you're always interacting with human beings at a community level. That could be the broad community, but also with the waiting room. And so uh, an emergency physician looks at a waiting room full of patients, and it could be someone with a heart attack, someone with an ankle sprain, you have to prioritize. And you're working with a community that's in that waiting room. They're all there collectively, they each have complaints. They have a different priority and acuity, and you're working with them, prioritizing and moving people around. The other thing, remember I said it's uh, problem solving, you never know what you'll get. Uh, something, something comes in, oh, I have the flu, and whoa, they're much sicker than that, right? Okay, we have to, this person's actually about to die on us, so let's change the priority and move things around. So it's a very dynamic cognitive environment that um, if you like that sort of thing, it'd be extremely rewarding to work in. Excellent. And then as far as going down the education route, had you always had that aspect apart what you've done or uh, I know you, you transitioned more into working both as uh, a researcher alongside a clinician, then you went into education, and now you're in higher education in particular as a primary focus of what you do. So you know, where was that starting point and, and how did that evolve? Well, I'll tell you something. Um, I, I, have, I get lucky enough to mentor some junior faculty now. And I remember when I was coming up, they said, you need a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. I found <laughs> that um, 
it really rarely works like that. And why? Because if you're in the right places, opportunities evolve so quickly and so innovatively, what you planned five years ago or even three years ago may no longer be relevant. Meaning there may be a really great opportunity that pops up and you're like, what is that? That wasn't part of my five-year plan. How do I adjust? So I counsel uh, faculty members I'm mentoring to think about their values. Uh, not Don't so much determine what you want to do, determine why. So you wonder how I suddenly ended up in education and research. I think it fits my core values in terms of um, what I really love is kind of, uh, there's a curiosity. And I think bringing curiosity to anything really helps. So I really love solving mysteries, being curious about things. So there's no surprise that um, ending up doing research. I started my career doing translational stroke research and basic science research uh, uh, here at UCSD and it's a great place to do that, and a really wonderful place. And I had mentors and opportunities to do that. It's no surprise I started that because I, 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 I love the curiosity of finding out um, how things work and asking why they work. Uh, and that is knowledge creation. But the other thing I really love is developing people. I love seeing people develop. Um, and, and so it's no surprise I ended up in teaching. Now, you know, in this advice I give the faculty members, find out not only what you like to do, but why you like to do it. I'll give you an example. I, I really love in, in, the, in the emergency department teaching a resident how to position a needle in the right way, do a procedure to maybe relieve pain or ask the right set of questions to find a diagnosis. And I love it when their eyes sparkle. Oh my God, that clicked. I didn't know I could do that. Um, I also love the art of martial uh, of Aikido, martial art of Aikido. Um, and so why? It's uh, what I like Aikido. Why do I like that? Well, Aikido is Japanese martial art. That's no, it's not so much strength and bare knuckles and hardening yourself and punching hard. It's actually using laws of physics that us human beings don't usually use in our movements to do things such that a much smaller person can move a much larger person around in, in, in a way that they don't typically do it. And I love the curiosity of those, those mechanics, the physics of it. But I also love teaching Aikido, the same thing. Much like I like teaching an emergency medicine resident or med student something and I see their eyes light up, I love teaching Aikido and I seeing a student who I'm teaching, their eyes light up and it's like, oh, I didn't know I can move that. How do you do that? Oh, I can do it now. And getting the satisfaction from seeing them develop as a human being. So uh, the, how I ended up in education and research is really aligned with why I like to do things as much as what I like to do. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think a lot of people can sometimes get caught up in thinking about where they need to go versus why they need to do something. Yes, yes. And yes, I, yes. I find that uh, constantly something that we work with a lot of students on at the Queer Center. And so uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was if you have somebody who maybe is thinking of being in healthcare, possibly in education, you know, what would the kind of advice you'd want to give them about looking for that why or figuring out what's right for them based off of you know, your experience and mentoring, what, what would you say to them? Yes, what I do say to any student I, I sit in my office or talk to or I'm just a fireside chat or something like that is exactly as you mentioned, the why. Yeah, I want to be a doctor. Why? Because I want to be a doctor. Why? What is it about doctoring you like? Um, and so I always go back to what are your core values? Go back deep, deep inside, as deep inside as possible, and ask why you want to do it. And um, in answering that why question, you know, I mentioned the Aikido. There'll be other things you really enjoy doing. So ask the same question, why that? And you'll find correlates in medicine. Do you love 
Do you love seeing people develop? Well, then you might like teaching in a kind of martial art in a way that you, where you have to develop. It's not so much do 100 push-ups on your knuckles until you're ready. No, you're teaching them hidden techniques uh, and that allows them to expand their mind and how things move and how things work. Um, do you like helping people? You know, uh, if you get at the why, then it becomes very easy to move forward. Uh, you know, when I counsel students, but also residents and especially junior faculty, I think once you have your whys established, then you use that to lens every opportunity and every decision you make, you know? Um, does this fit with the, my why? And if it does, oh, I, I need to really assess this, you know? So does going to med school fit with my why? Uh, it's not about doctoring, it's actually about other things. So, you know, your values. Uh, do you have values where you find joy in scientific inquiry? Do you have a values where you find joy in service to other people? Do you have values where you find joy in a sense of duty and commitment um, and meaning? So if your values align, um, uh, and they'll align with medicine, but they may align with a lot of other things, like being a firefighter or being a teacher, you know, those kind of values align well. I mean, I think it's no surprise, speaking about firefighters and teachers, uh, we have non-traditional medical students show up, and there are firefighters in our midst. There are teachers who've taught for two, three years in our midst. Uh, it's no surprise we get people like that who are amazing medical students. Looking at both why and finding purpose, you know, kind of uh, as a reflection, what would you say are some of the biggest examples you can pull from personal experience about finding your why and, and seeing it in action throughout all the different uh, threads of what you've done, kind of like your through line. Like uh, I have a, a sense of, of both your passion for you know, how you operate, investigate, and mentor, but you know, how do you uh, kind of conceptualize that uh, for those that you work with and what does that look like for you? Well, the, seeing the satisfaction, so you're, you're thinking, you know, you have your why in medicine, for example. How do you know you've hit it? How is it resonating with you? Um, and it's just a reflection on your workday and the things that you found most meaningful. I remember once, this kind of aligns with all the things, alleviating pain and being a diagnostician. I saw an elderly woman who came into the ED uh, with belly pain. is in her left lower quadrant. So I came there, man, what brings you here today? I've had belly pain. How long have you had it? Eight months? I was like, oh, eight months? Well, it's not appendicitis, because I know appendicitis doesn't last eight months. So I talked to her, and she'd been to her primary doctor. They couldn't figure out what was going on. She'd been to, and she was actually referred to a general surgeon who was about to go in there with a scope and, and look around and move things around. Um, but I talked to her, and so the first thing is that medical pub, uh, problem solving, that puzzle. And she said she, uh, the pain started when she was at a farmer's market and she lifted something, turned, and ah, she had pain. Hmm, that's odd. And it's been bothering me for eight months. It turns out, as I examined her, I determined that the condition was not actually in her abdomen, it was in the abdominal wall and in a pinched nerve there that I don't know why with all the mix, uh, someone hadn't landed on that yet, but I got lucky, I landed on that, right? I went to the ED, I got some lidocaine numbing medicine, and um, I came back to bed and said, ma'am, I think this is what's going on. How about I just numb the area, and if the pain goes away, then we know it's that. Oh, doctor, this pain's been nonstop for eight months. Good luck. So I numbed her up and right the right area, and you could see her anxiety melted away, and oh my God, the pain's gone. And this um, elderly woman, uh, yeah, a really sweet elderly woman, jumped out of bed, the upside of the bed, and sashayed, ran around and hugged me. <laughs> um, 
And I just remember that interaction just seared in my head. And I went home that day. It's like, wow, I, I really made a difference in someone's life. And you remember those things. And that's your why. Yeah, and it'll stick with you for your entire life. So this happened a few years ago. It, sticks, it will stick with me my entire life. That one interaction where I alleviated someone's pain. I created clarity for her. But more, she jumped out of bed and ran around to come hug me. I didn't expect that. Usually I'm not hugging my patients. <laughs> we try not to hug our patients too much. Uh, but she, she hugged me. And she couldn't control herself. She just hugged me. And, and even that, uh, it was such a... Uh, she probably has no idea the impact it had on me in terms of meaning my work. But it did, you know. So if you have episodes like that where you go home and it's in your memory, it's part of your, your life in medicine, things you always remember, things that bring you joy and meaning in your work, and that's how you know you've hit your why. Yeah. Those moments of experiencing the meaningfulness of it then. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. And it could be as small as running around your bed and hugging someone <laughs> uh, that has profound meaning to you. Right. And for you know, those still trying to find meaning you know, with what they do and uh, keeping an eye out for that. Uh, do you have any tips on how to approach it or, or maybe uh, the mindset that they might want to consider to, to be open to that? That's a great question um, because it really requires, and, and this gets into the whole mindfulness schema of things, self-reflection, uh, self-visioning, um, where you just calm your mind, you just go deeper and deeper, and it's like and getting to the why. The why is actually can be challenging to get to, and uh, I'm no expert on it. I'm sure there are a variety of resources. I don't know them offhand where you can find out how you find your why, how you find your meaning, self inquiry on what is meaningful to you, and finding meaning. Uh, I mean, there's a whole corpus of literature on that that I'm not an expert on, um, but that's what I, I'd guide anybody to that. Um, I do know I would counsel them. It's it's um, if you're not wired that way, it can be a, a challenge It's uh, to, to learn to think that way, to really inquire why you like to do something more than what you like to do. Because um, you know, when you ask people, why do you like to do it? I don't know. I just know why. And But if you go through that exp exploration and find the why, it would be so useful, I think, in terms of lensing and, and figuring out what you want to do in your with your life. And even once you're in medicine, figuring out what type of medicine you want to practice. Medicine is a dynamic, diverse field where you can you do anything from surgery to talking to people if you're a psychiatrist or a radiologist if you're reading films and finding out how you like to practice medicine. It will also allow you to progress in, in medicine in a way that fits you. Um, so I, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of resources out there that are not necessarily central to medicine. They're actually outside of medicine. It's about being human and finding meaning in your life um, that I would counsel people to seek out. And one final question for you, uh, if there's any advice you can give somebody who's, you know, considering healthcare, um, what would you say are, are some tips or kind of a, a final tip for, for anyone thinking about it that they should consider or really work towards? Oh boy, there's no one tip. I give lectures for, for an hour about things about that, um, but... It goes back to what we said. I think our line of questioning really fits that. I mean, you're just you're hitting it exactly on. It's about finding your why. So if I were to sitting with a student and it's like, hey, I'm thinking about medicine. What's, if there's one thing you want to tell me as I go forward, and we only have t five minutes. What would you tell me, uh, Doctor Luma? I would say um, you need to find uh, find your values, define what your values are, um, and they may be different than other people's. But and there are ways to have different sorts of values in medicine. But you really find out what your values are. 
and then everything cascades from there. And that's a nice way to look at things. Uh, you know, p uh, medicine requires at the surface some sacrifice. Uh, on the surface, it requires you to sacrifice some of your youth in your twenties to get to to be a doctor. Um, and then once you're a doctor, it requires you to sacrifice your time uh, as a doctor. There, you know, medicine's a 24-7, 365 operation writ large. Of course, there's some specialties where they're not, but you know, disease doesn't stop on Sunday morning. It's always, there's always, uh, it has to be someone to respond, someone to take care of patients. And so it will require a sacrifice of your youth as you train to be a doctor, and, and, and it will require sacrifice throughout your life. But, and I go back to how we started with my father and the meaning it took, people showing up at 11 at night with belly pain at the house. Um, if you have meaning in what you're doing, there actually aren't sacrifices. You know, I sacrificed my 20s, uh, becoming a medical student, being a medical student, getting training, but I, while others started jobs, they weren't traveling, they had money, could go to restaurants, you know, and go to concerts, I couldn't. But I don't consider that a sacrifice because I was undergoing a radical transformation um, that was so meaningful for me. And so I think the process of becoming a doctor and then the, the act of living as a doctor, not just working, but living as a doctor, will result in meaningful engagements and that will actually not be a sacrifice. So that's, uh, I know it's longer than five minutes where I was telling a student, but that's what I would say to them, you know. Thank you so much. I, I think what you've hit on today is that it's about values, it's about passion, it's about understanding somebody's why and I'm just so incredibly grateful to be able to ask you these questions um, and share with uh, those interested in the field uh, kind of some insight onto major considerations for themselves and the profession. So thank you so much for uh, your time and being able to answer some of these questions. And Ron, I should thank you because uh, I mean what you're doing the Career Center and how you can help students start their journey uh, it's so helpful. And thank you for letting me share my thoughts. And but more important, thank you for, for helping uh, uh, young learners, people starting their journey, find the right path. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Goma. Thank you, Ron.